Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode. We have a great episode up ahead for you. Uh, but first, a couple things. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe. If you can leave a review or a comment, that would be great. That helps us out a lot. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at The Real Apex Vaulting. Um, we're also Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter. And we just started our TikTok. Um, guys, TikTok is hysterical. A lot of funny stuff on there. Um, we started posting stuff on there. It's um, The Real Apex Vault, I think. It cut off like the last couple letters. Um, but follow us on that as well if you enjoy. Um, if you have any comments or questions, please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Also, just a reminder, we are now selling UCS Spirit Poles pole bundles, okay? In bundles of five poles or more, you could save up to 35% on your pole purchases. That's huge savings. And let's face it, you don't usually need just one pole. You need a line. Now you can save money when you purchase your line. Uh, make sure to hit us up with any questions about that or if you're interested in purchasing. Um, now... Without further ado, right? Awesome episode. This is episode 69. We have Sean Francis on. Um, he just wrote a book, The Pole Vault Toolbox. Um, he's going to tell us all about it and tell us how this book is going to really help the pole vault community a lot more than just providing information. There's money going towards pole vault programs in need. Super pumped for this episode. All right. Hey, uh, Sean, thank you for joining the podcast. Um, the you did an awesome thing. Tell everybody about your book. Tell us what inspired you to do it. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. So go ahead. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, 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 the sport is awesome. And, you know, I was, I was going to leave the end the pole vault blog and kind of leave, uh, pole vault and go into mental health full time. That's just mm. a big passion of mine, but I had this idea for the last two years of creating a, a pole vault course, you know, to, okay. to, to help with, you know, there's just not a lot of information out there uh, yeah. for pole vaulters. You know, there's one blue book that is easy to find, you know, and right. the guy passed away a few years ago, so I don't think there's going to be any updates anytime soon, you know, right. unfortunately. Right. So, like, the idea was I, I didn't think I could leave the sport until I got this out. So it was kind of like my one last hurrah, like one more thing to do for the pole vault community. And then while I was doing it, I was like, all right, so we got the education piece, but, you know, what's the education if people don't have pole vault poles or equipment to, to use the education. Right. And so that's where the idea came along to, well, all right, I have this book. Let's take $5 from every item sold on Team Boot, which includes the book and everything else, mm. and we'll put it into a pot. When that pot gets to $1,000, I'll donate $1,000 to somebody who orders something from the from my website, mm. and uh, we'll give it to a pole vault program. Right. And so yesterday was like the first day we reached the pot or yeah. in uh, about 15 days and awesome. uh yeah we have a thousand dollars worth of poles going to a club in washington trout trout lake high school in washington so awesome. yeah it's, it's working man yeah I, I you know what i there's so many different reasons i think this is such an awesome idea what's the title of the book again i don't want to say it wrong yeah, so I'm, I'm calling it the pole vault toolbox. Right. There's more okay. than one way to pole vault. Right. And so what I love about your book, and, and before we started the podcast, I kind of mentioned it. Uh, maybe some people know, maybe they don't. But Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he kind of ended his bodybuilding career, he came out with this, like, book of bodybuilding, you know. Uh, and it had just every exercise he ever used throughout his career. And so if you were someone going to a gym, you can kind of flip through the book and just pick what fits your 
routine or what you want to work on. And I just thought it was a great idea for the bodybuilding world. And we didn't have that in the pole vault. Like you bring up, you brought up the blue book, which is beginner to Bupka. It's like, that's one technical model. Like, okay, this is how we do it. Right. But I think what's awesome about your book is like, you're like, Hey, here's everything I've seen and see what you need and what works for you. And I think that's such a great idea because it's not like, okay, well, if I'm a Petrov Bupka guy, I can't use that book. Or if I'm an Earl Bell guy, I can't use that book. Or if I'm a, no, anyone can grab your book and kind of just flip through and be like, all right, yeah, this drill would work. This drill would work. This pro- uh, progression would work. And I think that that's something we, we kind of needed in the pole and we didn't have that before. So I think that's just, that I think is such a great idea. And and it's something that we need to think about more as, as pole vaulters, you know? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as I was coming through, I was a big Petrov guy growing because that, that's the book I had, you know? So mm-hmm. that's how I learned how to pole vault. Right, right, right. And then as I kept going through it, you, I just realized there was there's better ways for different types of vaulters, you know? Like, I'm mm-hmm. kind of small. I'm small and quick, so I had to jump like a small, quick guy. And then, you know, we got a tall, slower guy, and, you know, they might not be able to do all the things in beginner to Bupka. So right. it, it kind of came from there. And yeah, I like, I like what you said about Schwarzenegger. I never really thought about that at all. Like my, um, philosophy kind of came from Bruce Lee. You know, you, mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about MMA in the past, but he was right. one of those first guys who were, who were talking about styles and models. And you know, what Bruce Lee did was he took all of these different martial arts styles and combined them into one. And right. that's what I think pole vault needs to be in a way is there's a lot of ways to do this sport and if you just focus on one it, it doesn't work and you brought up a good point uh earlier we were talking before the podcast yeah, yeah. a little bit about mixed martial arts and how you know early on there was brazilian jiu-jitsu and kung fu and a wrestler and they would fight and the brazilian jiu-jitsu guy won and now it's kind of a combination of brazilian jiu-jitsu with boxing and kickboxing and wrestling other types and every, of martial everything arts. yeah and so, yeah 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 no so, I, and, and, you know, that's kind of like going back to pole vault. It's like, sure, I think there's all these different mo- technical models and styles. But then even what I, I feel like people sometimes don't realize is even under a technical model, there's all these branches coming out of different coaches' systems, you know? And the thing is, like, even if you coach a certain technical model, like, let's say a Petrov Bupka guy might look at, let's say, Earl Bell's system and be able to pick out things like, oh, my God, I never thought about it that way. Maybe I can apply this to what I'm doing at my my spot, you know? Because it's like if you don't have that open mind, you're kind of going to miss out. Like not er- like like it was funny. I was I was working with a, a couple of my guys this past week, and it just I was going through a certain progression that was working with a lot of other people, where I was kind of like breaking down the different phases of the vault, and it just wasn't working with them. And I had to kind of go back to like just from even a zero and any lefts, just do full jumps. If I did it in a full jump, it worked a lot better. Those guys were getting their grips up. They, they were jumping higher. Whereas when I broke it down into phases, it just fell apart. And so it's like you have to be able to see like how different people learn too. So it's like right. you, if you if you just close your mind from other other systems, you won't be able to find those other drills or progressions that might work for an athlete that's in your gym. You know? Totally. Yeah, and, and that takes putting your ego aside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's it's tough to get there. I. Every chapter, I put a story of in 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 the book of uh, like what I learned about this phase of the vault and mm-hmm. kind of what what broke my brain open and, and made me more open, like you're talking about. And right. There's a there's a story in there about uh, how I coached a double leg swinger. Right. <laughs> and I was and I was going to meets uh, with this with this high school girl, and I, we were just getting crap every single time about how you know you know if she didn't double leg swing, she would jump higher. But what they didn't know is that for 
two years prior when we were trying to teach her how to swing with one leg, she was barely clearing any bars, like six feet was rough. Right. But then right. by the end of the season, she was jumping, you know, 10 and a half feet and qualifying for, you know, state at that level or 10 or 11 feet at qualifying for state. So it, it kind of just goes back to like, that just didn't work for her. She was a gymnast before and we threw the two, we tried for two years. Right. And so at what point do you just throw it out the window and try something else? tried something else and it worked so right well, well, <laughs> yeah. like first of all i think it's so funny everybody loves to watch a jump and again we were talking before the podcast like things that kind of hold our event or sport back and i feel like yeah. you could become a technical snob like people are wine snobs and you just look at a jump and you're like oh if they just did this they would jump higher oh my god it's like well yeah and also if i was maybe a foot taller and i ran faster i would jump higher too but like we got to work with what's in front of us you know and i feel like people forget that you know yeah, and people forget that they, they don't know the whole story. You know, right. it's, it's really easy to judge somebody after one jump. Kind of like yeah. if you see someone at the gym work. I've heard the story, and yeah. it's like you see a, uh, an overweight person working out at the gym. You're like, oh, can't believe, like they should work harder. You're like, maybe yeah. it's the first day, and they're taking right. the first steps to to be there. You know, it's it's like you don't know what your coach the coaches are doing or what their plan yeah, is. Maybe get- they've been working on other aspects. Or like in my situation, the story I just told. Maybe we've tried it for two years and it didn't work. Right. Yeah. It's like people are coaching out of context. They don't know the context and that that's huge too. It's like, I I feel like a lot of people look at the vault and they, they just think about that one jump in a bubble. And it's like, you and I both know, it's like to even recreate that jump, even if you like it, that's probably never going to happen again. It'll be some version of that, but you're never going to be identical every single time down the runway. And so you have to coach within a context. Like you have to know the athlete, what you've been doing, what's worked, what hasn't worked. And maybe something that has worked is no longer going to work. You know, it's like people have to constantly be, be willing to evolve and change with an athlete. You know, I, I was having a, a conversation with someone the other day, um, through Facebook messenger. And I said, you know, the thing that I feel like people do a lot of times in, in the vault and like your double leg swing story is a, a great example of this is I feel like sometimes people overemphasize one particular phase of the vault to the detriment of the entire jump. And I think when you do that, it's like you're holding an athlete back. It's like, look, like, yeah, I want to make sure, let's say, that I would like my athlete to have a drive knee. But it's like I'm not going to uh, focus solely on that at the detriment of the rest of the jump. Like I have to make sure they're jumping as high as possible. If that means they don't have the best drive knee but everything else is working, so be it, you know? Right. No, I I totally agree. Yes, the sport's crazy. Those those technique snobs is is a a real issue. And like you talked about beforehand, it was like uh, it's it's hard. It seems like it happens more with just people who don't understand, who think there is just a way. You know, there's a religion and a politics to to the pole vault. It seems like, but if we kind of just like erase that, threw that away, then it turns into more of an art instead of a science. You know, and then if we have a combination of both of those, the art and science, that's where the magic seems to happen. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I look, I love data and stuff just as much as the next guy, but it's like, it's, it's got to work within, uh, the human being you're coaching in the environment. I mean, like, you know, that just goes into like, Hey, if, if you have an athlete that, you know, they're going through a tough time or something like that, you, you could have planned like the best workout, but you know what? You got to get done what you can get done that day. And if they're not going to be able to do, let's say some high intensity workout that you wanted or do full approaches, Hey, bring it in and do what you can. It's like what it's not worth it to like get pissed and force something and then end up maybe even causing an injury during a practice. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Like that, I did a, 
I did my training program. I saw on my website this summer for the first time, and mm-hmm. it, it was it's roughly like half of what I did when I was training full time. Right. And I was like, this isn't going to work <laughs> before <laughs> I even started. This isn't this isn't enough. And then what I found was like I. I I was doing way less and I, my times were just kind of going through the roof and I was doing things I wasn't doing when I was training, you know, right. at a professional level. And there was days where I was like, I just don't feel like I should train today. And right. the only reason I think I was able to not do anything those days was I don't have a meet coming up or I don't have any, right. there's really nothing I'm training for. But because I took those days off like that, you know, data just kept going in the right direction, which you brought up a good point. There's just, it's hard as a coach and athlete to know like how to do that, but experience seems to fill in those gaps. You know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I think, you know, whether you're a coach or an athlete, I think early on, you know, especially once you've been like bit by the bug, right? Like you're, you're like in the rabbit hole, like you want to jump as high as possible or whatever. It's like, you hate skipping a workout, but it's like the longer you're in the sport, you're like, listen, I can skip a workout today and be fine. As long as it doesn't become a pattern, you know what I mean? But it's like, I remember like your vlogs when you would post all the time. It's like, yeah, sometimes I would watch. I'd be like, oh my God, you look like you're overtraining. Like, cause you would even talk about it. You're like, oh, like I, you know, I'm a little tired, but you know, I still did this. I still did that. And what you think is a recovery workout. It's like, bro, that's not a recovery (laughs) workout. It was definitely not. Yeah. And that was, that's my own like psychological downfall. You know, like it, it was really. I have this thing in me that I never feel like I'm good enough, right? So it's like, well, right. if I take a day off, I'm, I'm, I'm a failure. Right. So I, I had to fight that, and I, I'm still fighting that in a lot of ways, wow. which is probably why I got that book done in five months. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. There was no way that should have happened. But it, there's, there's pros to cons to that, but I'm, I'm always kind of paying attention to that. But, yeah, when you can challenge that, and what helped me with the training side was I, I just realized that, not training is part of training yeah and you know the recovery side's hard it's not it's not the sexy side of pole vault training or training in any aspect but that's where it's that's where the gains come i hate to use the word gains but that's where the yeah. uh, improvement <laughs> comes <laughs> you know? yeah um no it's it's fine it's fine i i think you spelled it with a z the way you said it yeah, too, yeah like exactly um no but i mean you know and and even uh you know i mean I've definitely overtrained in my life, uh, but like even just from a coaching perspective, you know, and, and it's funny, think, going back to like context, right? I, I find it funny sometimes when, you know, we were talking even sometimes like online, you'll get like weird comments in some of your posts and stuff like that, and, and I get them too, and, and the thing is like, I, I feel like, man, if people only knew the context, like, cause even as a coach, you could like overcoach. I mean, there used to be times where, and, and still, like this year, probably after New Year's Eve, I probably won't have a day off till like mid-March. You know what I mean? Right. And, yep. and, 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 but even now it's, it's better. Even with no days off, it's better than it used to be. Cause I used to go no days off, but I, man, there were a lot of days where I would coach from 10 a.m. to like midnight. And my slowest day would be the meet day where it's like you're waking up 5 a.m. driving to a meet and you might get home by like six. And that was like, the most relaxing day. And the thing is, it's like, even there, it's like you could burn yourself out. Cause I, I have a similar mentality. It's like, if I'm not doing something, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm missing out. Like I, I could be getting something done. Like I should be doing more. Like, you know, it's like by now, you know, pole vaulting should be on par with UFC. You know, it's like, that's, you know, like I, I think about stuff like that, but it's like, we have to be able to sit back and relax. And, and especially for athletes, you have to be able to have those rest days, you know, and kind of calm yourself a little bit, you know? Yeah, that's that's 
been a huge struggle for me, man. <laughs> I don't know how to, I don't know how to be still, but um, I think it's important though. Like when I, I don't know, I meditate a lot, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like uh, when I can create space between everything else and, and the bigger picture, it seems to be that's where I can rest a little bit. But um, especially now that like the pre-order for the book came out and um, like things are moving and new issues are coming up that you didn't really realize you have to. And anything you have to do is like running a, a business or right, creating right, right. something. Yeah, you, you you go, you just get too close to the picture, and it's hard to take those steps back. So yeah, I try yeah. and make it at least at least twice a week, where right. I just put my phone down, turn it off, and do nothing. Don't check emails. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, because you, you need that time to think, you know, and and just think about what you're doing. And if because if you're constantly working, you're not really assessing yourself sometimes, right. you know, and I think that for coaches and athletes out there listening to this, it's like, yeah, you have to be able to step back and, and assess things. Cause even before the podcast, you know, we were talking about jumping and jumping post collegiately. It's like, you have to be able to sit back and go, okay, like, am I really happy right now? Or am I chasing something that's no longer making me happy? You right. Know? Like I, I never wanted to go to the Olympics. That was never a goal of mine. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you get it pushed down your throat when you're trying to, when you're doing the post collegiate thing, cause like, why else would you be doing that? You know, my goal is right. always just to see how high I could jump and see if right. I could jump at this level, you know? Right. And, uh, and when you did, like that goal is kind of gone and it stopped being fun. It's like, oh, I, I did it. So now what? But, right. uh, yeah, if, if you're constantly chasing this Olympic goal and you're not reassessing, like, what what happens if you do get it or you don't? You know, you have to kind of think about those things right. as opposed to Yeah, because you, you know what's funny, and and I, I want to get back to, to the book or your inspiration for the book or more yeah. how you feel now after doing the book and and what's happened so far. Because I I think it's awesome that you already raised a thousand for a program, but like. Yeah. I, I think sometimes people get caught like, okay, if I jump this high, I'll be happy. Or if I qualify for this meet, I'll be happy. And, and it goes back to even like regular life stuff. People are like, you know what? If I could make a hundred thousand a year, I'll be happy. Or if I make 200,000 a year, I'll be happy. But it's like, what happens to almost all those people that think like that? It's like, you get there and you're like, I'm not happy. I mean, I, I literally, when I coached my first national champion, I was like, okay, that's cool. But like, I got to do it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it was like, and it was like every time, you know, I ended up uh, coaching two people to three national titles and it's like, I still wasn't happy. Like literally right. like when I won the last national championship and arguably it's statistically the best day. Cause I had a, a 19th seated girl place fourth and the national, and I coached the national champ. It was probably the most miserable day of my life. And it's like, <laughs> it's just like, and so you got to get to that point where, like, okay, well what actually makes me happy for me? I came to realize like, no, what makes me happy is just coaching people and helping people. And regardless of how high they jump, that makes me happy because I'm never going to get the approval from the people who don't give me approval, right? Like coaching a national champ is not going to all of a sudden make someone who doesn't uh, like me or whatever care about me. You know what I mean? So like, what, yeah. what was it for you? Like once you step back, cause I mean, are you, would you say you're happier now doing the stuff that you're doing, especially with the, the pull vault toolbox? Then when you were jumping, I mean, t- talk about that a little bit. That, that's tough to say. Um, like, uh, if, if people have been following me for a while, they, you know, I have like a history of depression. So this, this happiness thing is, a, is a, right. when you go down the rabbit hole pretty deep on this because yeah, I mean, yeah. you chase that forever. But I'll, I'll start with um, 
kind of what you said about, you know, if, if you're chasing bars or money, right? I've, I've kind of found this theory that if you chase anything with an infinity, you're never going to be happy because there's always the next thing. So chasing yeah, there's always more. Is, yeah, so it, it's like you have to have that awareness now. Is this an infinity? Am I, am I chasing something that never ends because there's no end to it? And so with... Um, with the pole vault, I was kind of chasing one of those infinities when I was training. You know, it was, it was like 18 feet was a big deal. When I yeah. graduated high school, I was like, I was a 15 footer. I go, okay, I want to jump 18 feet. I told all my high, or college coaches and I told everyone, like, that was my goal. And they were like, well, when do you think you can do that? But I'm like, I, I think in three years. And it took nine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that goal never went there. So when I reached it, it was, it was the happiest bar I ever had. Cause it was like, Oh, I've been just focusing on this forever. And, right. and that was like almost kind of the end, you know, it was like, that was the beginning of the end for me. Cause it was, Oh, I got this huge bar and that bar kind of launched me into, you know, traveling the world and doing some of the cool post collegiate right. things you can do. Um, and it, but after that, like you said, there was like a lot of misery cause it was like, well, if you, now, if you don't jump 18 feet, you're getting kicked out of all these things they gave you, and you're going back down the, the slope a little bit. And that's, right. that's not funny. They're feeling like you're going the opposite direction. Now, with the book, it was it was kind of the same way. It was, um, yeah, I I have this huge urge in me, like you, where I, I constantly be feel like I need to be giving back. I, I just want to give. It feels better to give. Like when I called uh, uh, the gentleman or the coach and told him, I, you know. Right. He won the he won the thousand dollars. That that was so much fun. Yeah, I, I was yeah. just glowing after that. Um, right. So that was great. Writing the book, you know, it, I mean, it, part of it was really fun. It's scary that it's not out, and so many people have ordered it. <laughs> I, I want to know what people think about it. I don't know. Right. Like, I I honestly thought maybe ten people would buy it in the pre orders, and and so this is kind of blown my mind. But um. I, yeah, I, I just, I'm excited for people to get it so I can see what's going on. But it's been causing a little bit of stress since there's like, a, I don't know what they think. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, writing the book's been, been fun, um, challenging by every stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Uh, since I'm not, a, I've never written a book before, but um, <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know if I'm happier. I just, I get happy when I can solve challenges and I can just explore and create. That's where I'm happiest. Like at what? the end of my old vlogs, it was like life's meant to be experienced and curiosity will get you there. And that was my philosophy of life. Like that was me trying to find the meaning of life when I was in some of these depression holes, you know, it's like, well, what is it? Well, I'm, I'm really feel like I'm alive when, I'm experiencing life and where it's, and you know, the way to experience life is to experience it, you know? Well, you, you know, what, um, you know what I think is cool is cause what I feel like, you know, and again, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, it's like what we're all trying to do is figure out what makes us tick. You know what I mean? And yeah. for you, it's like, yeah, figuring stuff out, creating something and, and a book presented that challenge. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you have to figure it out and you get to be creative and put your flair into it. And that, that is what's really important. It's kind of like what I was saying about my coaching. It's like, I realized like the winning is okay, but it's like very fleeting. You know what I mean? Like winning me is a fleeting moment and a fleeting, uh, emotion. And, and so it's like, that's not long lasting. Whereas like coaching, I, I, I have that every day. You know what I mean? Like now with like my pole vaulting club, it's like, it's crazy. Even like if I'm having a, a, a a low time in my life. Like I'm just bummed out for whatever reason. It's like, I may feel like crap, you know, I, I get up in the morning, get ready, go to a practice session. And it's like within like 10 minutes of a practice session, it's like, I'm fired up. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I know I'm helping people. I'm doing something that's important. You know, people value me at practice. And it's like, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm like, that this is way better than even coaching at a meet. Like, you know what I mean? And so it's like figuring that out is super important to, I guess, like unlocking what really makes you happy, you know? So did you get into coaching because of that or did you get into coaching for other reasons? Uh, so it's funny. So I, I was, I was teaching English and it, it was funny. My first year, I took over halfway through a year because I graduated in, in January of 2003. And so I took over for a teacher that they were like forcing into retirement. So she had like crazy classes. Like they gave her like the worst kids. And so I kind of did not have a good half year experience. I was like, I don't know if I could teach. Like, this is not what I signed up for. And uh, I was thinking about leaving, you know, the profession. Uh, so then I taught the next year and I started coaching because I was like, all right, well, I'm like, I got like a full year of teaching in. I'm going to leave. I'm going to see what else is out there for me. But I started coaching and I kind of knew it. I'm like, if I start coaching, I'm just, I'm going to fall in love with it. I had already been coaching like middle school basketball for a little while and that was cool. But it's like coaching pole vault, which I did in high school. And I only jumped 10 six. Like I, I didn't have any coaching. We only had like, we had four poles. They were all 14 150s. I probably gripped like the warning label. The pole didn't bend, like whatever. Right. And I was just like, but I loved the sport. It was, it was a blast. Right. So I'm like, oh, now I get to coach pole vaulting. And I just like poured in all this time and energy into it. And you know, our, our county wasn't that good at that time. So, uh, 12-6 won on the boys' side. And I coached a kid to PR a foot and a half within a month, and he won the county. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. So then I went back into teaching, and I just kept coaching. And it was just like I started buying poles little by little and just kept coaching more kids. And then eventually, like, kids would ask me for private lessons at meets, and then that's when I started the club. But it's like I just fell in love with it. It was fun. I, one, I felt successful. Like, I'm like, I'm good at this. Like, I'm good at coaching. And, yeah. and I'm like, I can help people and they're not getting help anywhere else, you know? And that's, yeah, I just, that's why I did it. And I feel like the thing with teaching and coaching, like teaching is tough, right? Like, you only see the, the, the students for like 45 minutes a day and, and there's a limit to the impact you can have on them because also in the classroom, not everybody wants to go to English class, right? right? Like that's a fact. And then the other thing is like, man, there's just certain kids that they have so many other problems in their life. You know, it's like you're getting kids who maybe like, you know, they're getting beat at home or they don't have like food for dinner. You know what I mean? It's like, that English is the last thing on their mind. And it's like, you're so far from providing them the help and assistance that they need. Whereas like when you coach one, you're, you're seeing those athletes a lot longer and you could be a real mentor for them and help them out through life, you know? And I, that's why I have people who've jumped with me like, Oh my God, it's crazy to say this, but some of these people haven't jumped with me in 10 years and they still hit me up. Like people will call me when like, you know, they get married or they'll call me when they lose their job and they need advice. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, and I, I'm like so grateful for that. Cause it's like, you know, I, I don't know if you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is, but he's this like entrepreneur that like talks a lot of motivational stuff. And one of the things he always says, is like talk to older people, he goes, talk to older people and see what they say. And he goes, you'll see a lot of people with regrets. And I, and I, I feel like the other thing with older people is like when you meet people that are older, that are unhappy, it's cause they're lonely. Cause no one needs them anymore, right? Like their kids are married and have their own kids and the grandkids barely see them and they don't get to talk to anybody and nobody needs their help. And it's like, I feel so grateful cause I feel like so many people need my help. You know what I mean? Even if it's just a phone call and 
I mean, I think that's, that's what like keeps me going. That's like, that's my fuel, you know? Yeah, no, totally, man. I, I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, Gary, I, 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 I listen to Gary a lot too. And what he talks a lot about is just experimenting and trying, right? Like right. you started with English and you, yeah. you found really what your passion was through that, you know? Yeah. Which you, you were already on the right path, some kind of teaching, education, coaching kind of a thing. It just ended up being, you know, more on the pole vault side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. People, people even ask me, they'll be like, oh, would you ever teach again? I'm like, I'm still teaching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is still teaching. You know, it's just know, a different I subject. Joke, I always joke I'm not using my master's degree, you know, for the, in quotations, what's intended for. But, right. like, I, I use it every day, coaching, you know. It's right. in mechanics, so it's like a... I, I got into it as like a taste of, I knew I, what I wanted to do. I didn't know exactly what scale, but you know, it developed over time, you know, and it allowed me to do the video editing and the creating and all this other stuff too, that I was really into. So it's like, how do you, how do you right. take all the things you're into and combine it to what you want to do? And, right. Yeah. Well, and, and going back to your book, this is the thing that I think is, is, uh, hugely important about your book and, like it's a credit to you as a person and what you've done. Like going back to that Arnold Schwarzenegger example, I off the podcast, like I was saying, like Arnold Schwarzenegger is not maybe the best strength and conditioning coach, but what he did for the fitness industry with that book that he wrote about like, you know, bodybuilding and stuff is tremendous. And I think what you've done on social media, the awareness you brought to the pole vault, I mean, that's, that's why your book is so important. It's better than if it came from, I honestly, like I, I did a tweet once. I was like, who's more important to the pole vault world or more, uh, or brought more notoriety to it, Vitaly Petrov or Alan Launder. And my whole point was like, Alan Launder brought that methodology to the people by writing that book. And you through social media have brought the pole vault to so many people and you've provided an outlet. You know what I mean? People who, you know, want to see pole vault stuff have gone to your vlogs and stuff like that. And now you writing this book, you provided them so much information and it's like, and people know who you are. Like people trust you, you know? And I think that's something people don't realize with social media. I, and I, I feel like sometimes I, I, I hear people are a little bit bitter uh, because they don't think social media is important, but it's like, how is anybody supposed to know who you are? You've developed that relationship with so many pole vaulters through social media. And that's why, you know, I, I think you're getting the results that you're getting. Yeah. Th those are just, um, I'm saying this in the nicest way possible, but just dinosaurs in the sport, you know, where they want to do it this, the way they've done it the whole time. And, you know, because things have changed and they remained where they were, it, it doesn't make sense for them anymore. Yeah. And it creates a lot of issues. I mean, I, I, rem I one of the reasons why the vlog continued was because I knew I was never going to get a shoe sponsorship, and that was the game you had to play at the time. If you right. wanted to survive in the sport, you needed a sponsorship from a shoe company, and the shoe company gave you money to get to these meets and pay for your food and do all this other stuff. And I knew that, you know, I had to pro provide some other type of value for myself. So the vlog continued for a long time. Well, one, because it was fun, you know. Right. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really why it kept going. But it was it was helping me get into meets that maybe I wouldn't have gotten into if nobody knew, like, who I was or what right. my capabilities were. Or, you know, if a meet shows up and they, and they go, I'm going to, I have guy A who jumps 18 feet or guy B who jumps 18 feet. But guy B has a, a video vlog who will help promote uh, the meet that I have. Right. They're going to pick the second guy, you know. Right. And that's what that's what I feel like is lacking in a lot of these post-collegiate athletes nowadays. And, you know, it's, it seems to be coming up. There's more kids posting their jumps online. And right. I get tagged in jumps all the time. I'm sure you do. Like, hey, yeah. can you help me? Can you review my jump? Right, yeah. You know? And so it's good. It's just... um 
it, we've, I feel like we're a little behind the curve on that one. Like, well, <laughs> we I, need to speed up as a as a whole and get into the way things need to be. The way things are done in other organizations. Well, yeah, and, and you know what? And, and it's funny we talked about this off the podcast, but I made a post recently about like how I feel like the Olympics holds us back as a sport. And one of those things, it's like, one, I feel like sometimes people don't realize how little money is out there for the Olympic athletes. And it really comes from sponsorship only, you know? And the other thing is, I feel like people are so afraid to offend someone from the Olympics or the shoe companies when it's like, those people aren't paying you anyway. So what do you care if you offend them? Like, what do you care? It's like, you know what? If you, And I'm not telling people to go out there and be controversial just for controversy's sake. But it's like, if you want to go out there and speak your truth, go out there and speak your truth. That, at the end of the day, if people love it, that's going to make you popular. And that might help you, like you said, get into meets. Or maybe if you go to a local event, get you prize money. You know what I mean? It's like, that's way more important than just, what, pleasing some shoe company agent who's not going to give you any money anyway? Like, I... I just, I don't get it because I hear too many, like, I feel like over the years I've heard too many sad stories of people investing so much time and energy in something that they're not going to get rewarded for. I mean, listen, if you're happy and that's what you want to do, awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. But I just, I I feel like there's other opportunities out there that people aren't looking at. I mean, one, starting a pole vaulting club. Like, you know, it's like maybe at the end of your career, you can end up having a a full-time business. Or it's like maybe putting on your own local events where you can get people to come watch you and build the popularity up in your area. I feel like we got to think more grassroots in the pole vault. It's like everybody's like, why aren't we on ESPN? It's like we don't have the numbers yet. Like it's like yeah, that's that's top down, right? Like we need, like you said, we need to go bottom up on this, and that's and that's why again the book kind of came out because I mean, and you know I want to support clubs for long term, you know, because I knew mm-hmm. if, if clubs and and uh, programs like high schools got poles, those poles could last for ten, fifteen years, you know, maybe right. even twenty if they take care of them. Right. But if you just give like somebody money. And they spend it on a meat or they spend it on, uh, jerseys that thousand bucks is gone, you know, in a weekend right. and then it, it, it's short, it's short term. Right. So that's, that's why I decided to do it the way I did it. Um, just because that's, that's what's going to keep it going. You know, if a kid right. goes to a, a, if a kid goes to a club, comes out for pole vault and they have one pole and it's not fun, <laughs> right. <laughs> Jumping high and have to share it. They're going to have a bad time, you know, whether the coach knows what they're doing or not. And, if they have that equipment, you know, maybe they'll get hooked. And then like, as you said, then they stay in the sport and we grow. But, right. um, there's too many people, I think, talking about the Olympics and elites and world records and things, which is great. But like Renault broke the world record in 2014. And I don't even think it made ESPN, if I remember correctly. Right. All my elite buddies were talking about it. So is that really helping us grow the sport? I, I just don't think so anymore. I think it used to, you know, when, um, these guys would get a gold medal in pole vault and be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but it just hasn't been happening anymore. Right, and it, and and you know what? It's because we're not accessible. And and here, here's another thing. So I two weekends ago I went to the UFC fights at Madison Square Garden, the Nate Diaz and and um, Jorge Masvidal fight. Awesome. Yeah, it was it was yeah. awesome. And here's the thing: I've been to Madison Square Garden when Milrose Games used to be there, and I'm like, wow. What a world of difference for like the spectator experience. Cause Milrose games, I mean, this is the top me. I saw Yelena Zimbaeva jump in America the only time she ever did. Like I was super pumped, right? Like, and I'm such a pole vault head that it didn't matter. Just watching her jump was enough for me, but it's like, it was not a spectacle. 
It was not a spectacle. Like, it's run too much like a very old school track me, everything prim and proper. And it's like, no, like, you need to put on a show. Like, when you go to the UFC events, the lights, the music. And how about this? Talk about controversial or not controversial. They, they fought for the BMF title, the baddest motherfucker. I was like, we're, we're afraid to do something that's a little bit on at the edgy side. Like, like imagine someone came out and was like, hey, I really, really want to beat Sam Kendricks uh, this year at USA's. People are like, whoa, you know, that's like a little crazy. It's like, meanwhile, they gave a belt that had those words on it. <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is wild. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to get the people going. You got to get them to co- come watch you jump, you know? And I, I just, I feel like track is so far behind on that stuff. And it's like, if we're going to be popular like we have to give a better fan experience like we were talking about colleges it's like i feel like college track coaches don't get that it's like first of all most people don't even know what the records are in any track event and it's like instead focus on getting the the campus kids to come you know even if the ticket is five bucks pay for five bucks to come watch the team and make it a good experience i mean football stadiums are filled with a hundred thousand people we can't even get like maybe 20 sometimes on a college campus. And so it's like, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like we, we totally ignored the spectators in our sport. And now it's like, we're wondering why we're not on ESPN. It's like, well, that's why, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, think we're going to change just talking about it you know but um right maybe we'll put some ideas out there for sure for yeah. people but ideas are kind of cheap too is not someone yeah. takes action on it <laughs> right well, yeah. well so let, let me give you this idea too yeah. like so la- last year i was like okay like i've been getting a lot of dms from people about coaching and i have this like one app it's called the uh, spark and it makes it really easy for you to do like voiceovers and like videos and i was like you know what let me offer like virtual coaching you know what i mean yeah. like people could send me their videos I did not get a single person to purchase a package. And I started thinking about it and I'm like, wait, but this makes sense, right? Like I only had, at the time I probably, I might not even had 2000 followers. And I was like, all right, like I don't have a lot of followers on Instagram. It's like, you know, and then it's like, how many people, like how many people that pole vault need a virtual coach? Because if they're pole vaulting, they probably have a club they're going to, or maybe a high school coach. So they might not need it. They might ask for help for free. That's okay. And the thing that I had to like swallow, I was like, you know what? This is over. I'm overvaluing this virtual coaching. And that's why I stopped doing it. I took it off my website. I just answered DMS for free still. Cause I'm like, I need to build up the demand before I can ask for money. You know what I mean? And that's where it's like, I feel like in the pole vault world, we're not, we're not getting that. We have to like offer something and build up a demand before we can, we can ask for something. You know what I well, mean? Well, yeah, it's always about providing value, you know? Right. Um, so like, like what you're doing is you're providing value as in you're reaching out to other people, experts, maybe if you, mm. if you want to call me that or anybody <laughs> in the pole vault field, they're just interesting people to talk to. And right. you're giving them an insight to, you know, other ways to do things, you know, and what, right. what I was doing with the vlog was I started out as here's what elite pole vaulters are doing, or here's what I'm right. doing as an elite pole vaulter, here's right. a bunch of stories, here's what it's like, one of these means, and then I was like, okay, here's what I've learned over the years, here's what I'm doing coaching, I want to give back, and right. now, like, with the book, it's like, well, here, here's how to, here's how to start, you know, here's, right. a, here's some ideas that's helped me over the years, and then with each chapter, I'll do a video course with it, too, so I'm just like, okay, so here's some videos so you can see what's going on, but it's like, what's the value, you know, um, and as you mentioned, I get a lot of 
DMs too about, hey, can you review this video? And I just, I had to stop doing it because it was right. taking up too much time, right. you know. And then you know you you do it, and, it, and I I loved it at first when you'd only get about five a week or something. <laughs> but right. when you're getting twenty five a day, you're like, oh yeah. my god, this is just too many. And then those one DMs turn into. Well, I don't understand. Could you do it again? And then you just got it. And so I had to stop doing that. But there is a value for that, you know. And right. it's like, how do you? But you have to grow that demand yeah. first, right? Like you had the demand because you know what I mean? Oh, you, totally. You, you, you can't just put it out there and be like, hey, I have this thing and hope people show up to it. Right, you know? right. So you already have the demand if people are asking, you know. So like it, it's an option for sure. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I'm I, I guess my my point is that people have to be willing to kind of like d- do things and work for it and build that demand. You know what I mean? Like I just you know, and if you try something and you're not getting the response you want, okay, maybe you got to go a different angle. You know what I mean? And I, and I right, feel like yeah. that that's the thing that we're sometimes missing in the public community. It's like you got to be able to pivot. You know what I mean? Like I I even feel like sometimes you know I'll, I'll talk to people and maybe they host a meet and they're like, well, I don't know why more people didn't come or I don't know why people weren't more happy or whatever. It's like, all right, well, like instead of getting pissed that people weren't happy, why don't you like think about how you can make people happy? You know what I mean? Like what made someone not happy with the experience and what can you change? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you have to think more that way, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why, uh, like street meets are hard, right? It's all, it, right. It, looks, it looks fun. It looks easy. So I'm going to put on a street meet. They put on a street meet and they realize how difficult it was <laughs> and how many hoops they had to jump through. Right? right. Right. And, uh, so then they get that feedback. Hey, this was great. I think this could have been different. This, this struggled. We didn't have enough shirts, blah, 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 blah. Then they look back and they go, well, that was a lot of work. And then they, don't, they don't want to do it again. You know, where, you know, maybe it's doing something online, like what you're doing or what I'm doing is so much easier to pivot. Like you said, you know, right. Oh, this post didn't work. I have data right here in Instagram. I can, you know, try right. something else and see what captures these people, you know, or uh, the attention of these people and helps these people. But, yeah, it, it's that's a that's a it's a good point, man. It's like uh, if we want this to succeed, you, you know, you have to be able to provide that value, and as you said, pivot. But at what point do you just go, "Holy crap, this is too much"? <laughs> you know, what's what's the long term uh, look on this? Too, yeah, you know? I mean, I I think it's just I mean that's up to every individual. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, you yeah. know, and depending on what they want, you know. I mean, for me, you know, it's like I always just. I deep down, and I still believe this, you know, I think pole vaulting is an amazing sport in and of itself, uh, honestly, without track. And it's like, I, I think it could be insanely popular. I mean, like, dude, kids come in who, or, and even adults have come in who maybe never pole vaulted and they're not doing anything crazy. It's not like they're jumping 12 feet their first day and they're like, they're having a blast. They really enjoy it, you know, and you can provide that, that team atmosphere, that group cohesion, people work out together. And it's just another option for physical activity. And if you do a meet the right way, like, you know, there's music, it moves fast enough, there's food, there, you know what I mean? There's people can walk around, watch whatever you have an announcer. It's like, if you do it the right way and and you keep improving on it every time, you know, and you, you have to suck it up. Like I, 
years ago, right? I used to have like a Halloween vault, like every Halloween. And at the time I had this college crew of like athletes and especially one of my athletes, Lauren Riley, she's actually pregnant. She's going to have her first kid. Um, so she would like run the meets for me and she was like really good. Like she would be very, very peppy and like super happy and pump everybody up and whatever. And I could just coach. Right. And then like after she graduated, I had a Halloween vault and oh my God, it was the worst meet, the worst. Cause I wanted to just be a coach and it's like, I have to run a meet right now. You know what I mean? And it was so, I'm telling you, it was so boring. The atmosphere was so dead. I was so embarrassed that day. And when I started doing the pole vault club championships, you know, a few years back, it's like, I realized I was like, okay, I'm doing this meet. I am not a coach today. I'm a person that's running an event. I have to be in charge of this event. And my most important thing is to make sure every single person is happy. And that, that's the thing. So it's like, I was pumped up. I was making sure everybody's happy. I, I at one pole club championship, a couple of kids know heighted. I realized that I walked over. Hey, how's the meeting? Oh, I know. I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I wish I could change that. But you know what? Here's a free t-shirt on me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I was just do- doing things like that. If somebody was like, Hey, can we change the progression? I'm like, yeah, no problem. We're going to change the progression. Like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever made people happy. You know what I mean? It's like, I wasn't going to be a stickler for something. You know, it's like if somebody needed an extra run through, let them have it. Like these people paid money. They came here to have a good time. I want them to have a good time. Like within reason, like I can't like throw somebody over a bar to make them clear it. But like, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to be as accommodating as possible because it's like, especially for a pole vault club meet, it's like, I feel like, you know, talk about overvaluing things. People overvalue sanctioning a meet. Like as a meet director and anybody listening, it's like, dude, the number of people that are actually going to care that you sanctioned your meet is maybe less than 5% of your entries, less than 5%. And so you're going to pay like more money to sanction your meet to what, to make two, three people happy. And now you have to run the meet like super official. You're going to have to have a USATF official and it's, you're going to have a slower running meet and less people will be happy. Or you could just do it club and it's like everyone have a blast. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. It, it sounds a lot like, you know, how skateboarders do it. You know? Right. Like, all right, there's going to be a, a competition in the pool in this guy's backyard. Let's see who wins. <laughs> you know, everyone holds up signs, you know, versus going to the X Games, which is a little more official, you know. And I think there can be a range of those right. out there. It's just, uh, I don't know. Personally, for me, I'd rather go to the pool one. Sounds like yeah, more crazy experience. <laughs> you know, right, right. Fun. Like you, you want it to be an event. You know, you want it to be a blast. And you know, I, again, you have to be willing to kind of like, like face your losses. Like, like when I had that one meet and it was like dead atmosphere. I'm like, okay, the next time I do a meet, I cannot think like this. I can't be just thinking about coaching. Like I have to, I have to be the happy guy that is making sure everybody's having a blast. You know, like I had to change my mindset. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, there's a lot of parallels between, you know, pole, Bubba Sparks told me this, he's like, I would invest in any pole vaulter mm-hmm. ever, because they're just that type of person who, you know, as you said, can find what worked and what didn't, and really focus on what didn't, and try again the next time, and if that right. didn't work, they'll try again the next time, that's just kind of our nature, you know, right. and you've experienced, you've just explained it multiple times throughout this podcast, is, alright, there's a dead air, alright. Instead of going, oh, I'm never doing that again. That was uncomfortable. <laughs> I want to make this better <laughs> next time. You know? And 
it's like training, you know, the, yeah. like what we were talking about earlier with me too. Oh man, I was overtraining. So what do I have to do? I have to change the way I'm thinking about training, you know, and make sure I take this rest. So how do I do that mentally? I have to decide that rest is training, you know? Right. And so in doing that, it, it changed the result and I started going the direction I wanted to go. And it's just, it seems like we have a direction we want to go. People aren't willing to change. Um, or, or the people in charge, I guess, of, of the event. Right. But, but what's you, cool is there's there's the internet now. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, we can utilize it. And there, what I'm seeing is what you've, we've talked about multiple times is I just wish more people would start, you know. And when they start, they'll find a lot of success because there's it's it's new territory. There's not but, a lot of people. You know what? I, 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 think, I think, like you said, the internet is helping, and I see some great stuff. I mean, like, you know, yeah. Jake Winder up in the Chicago area, he just yeah. opened up his club, Rise Athletics. I, you know, I know Jacob Sanders down in Maryland. He started a Povelton club, and then now there's another Povelton club in Maryland. And then, um, you know, the Arizona guys, I think they, you know. They do a great job. Yeah, too. they're doing a great job. It's just like, I, I just, I feel like I see so many awesome positive things. Like, I, I, I see things happening kind of at that grassroots level with the Povelton clubs, where it's like, to me, it's like, it, I, I think it gives great hope. Um, and I, I think, you know, one of the, one of the ideas that I want to also kind of talk about on this podcast before it's over is like, I think also pull people need to realize, yes, on meet days, we are competing against each other, right? Like I'm trying to win. Like I get that. I'm a competitive guy, but as a sport, we're, we're working together. We're not competing against each other as pole vaulting clubs. I mean, most pole vaulting clubs are probably at least an hour, hour and a half apart. You, we're in different geographical regions, you know? It's like, so I'm not going to like lose kids to a club that's two hours away and vice versa. And it's like, what people need to realize is we're competing against other activities. We're competing against CrossFit. We're competing against soccer, football. We're competing, we're competing against a rock climbing gym. Uh, heck, there's these axe throwing places that are going up all over the place. We're competing against that. It's like, instead, we need to think about being competitive against those people and those sports and activities and figure out, okay, what, what value do we bring here as pole vaulting? Like, what can people get from pole vaulting they don't get anywhere else? And I always keep preaching to people. I'm like, look, this is a great total body workout. And you know what? People that start doing this, they, they want to jump higher. And like you said, then you start that puzzle part, you know, you're trying to solve the puzzle. So you're like, all right, you know what? I hate working out, but I really like pole vaulting and I really want to jump higher. So I'm going to start doing these workouts. And I think that's the great thing about our sport. And then you have the team bonding, you know, it's like you're on the runway with like six, seven other people. You get to talk. There's that social aspect of it. It's just, we have a lot of natural things that are really, really great about our event, you know? Yeah, uh, I've I've always kind of described it as it's it's like surfing without the wave. Right. <laughs> you, you get to go out, you get to hang with people. You know, you can you can do it with just you and a coach, and all you're trying to do is solve your own puzzle. You know, it's full right. speed chess. Yeah. And uh, and that's what makes it really fun. It's it, it it it's got parallels to you know when I snowboard, it feels like the same way when I when I pole vault or right. I don't skateboard, but I would imagine that's the same or surfing is probably the same or rock climbing. You know, it's, you're doing something physical, but you don't really realize it's, it's physical activity because you're so focused on, all right, if I, if I put my knee here, if I put a little more pressure here, if I right. grip an inch higher, or I do these things. And I, I think that's what makes it fun. Um, right. You know, and I think that's where we can provide a lot of value is, is, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're on the same page, man. It yeah, sounds like there's well, a lot of clubs starting up, which needs to happen, like yeah. we said. And then um, they just, we just 
need to let everyone know they're there. You know? Yeah, well, and, and, and we have to be open, too. I feel like people st- – like the reason I bring up the competitive part is because like I sometimes feel like clubs get into this like mode like oh it's us versus them and it's like maybe at the state meet but it's like really it's like us working together you know what I mean it's like I'm sometimes shocked like when you look at certain meets like and I think the further apart you are right it's like like if I go to Reno and I bump into someone from California, they will undoubtedly be like, oh my God, another pole vault person, they'll want to talk to me. But it's like people in my local area sometimes, it's like they get like too competitive. It's like, oh, that's our co- competition. It's like, dude, you're on the other side of the state or you're in another state. Like we're not competitors. In fact, if you have a meet, you should let me know. I'll bring my kids. If I have a meet, you should come by and bring your kids because it's like it's more opportunities for competition It'll be fun because I, I know even for me as a club coach, it's like, you know, your kids want to jump with other people too. You know what I mean? Your athletes want to jump with other people and especially to grow the post-collegiate scene. So it's like people can do it as like f- a fun activity. You got to have more club competitions. And so it's like if we work together more, it helps. It helps the sport. Yeah, I forgot what clubs were doing this, but it, it, it ties into what you're talking about. I, I think they can they combined um – you know, like enrollment between all the clubs. So if, if they signed up for this, they could do I th- this. I think it was, what was it? Vault house and rocket man. I think you're talking yeah, about them. Yeah. They did one there. There was another one too, where they had three. I just, I can't okay. remember, but yeah, and I, it was, it was a beautiful idea. Like yeah. that, that kind of solves what you're talking about. You know, then instead of competing against each other, like, Hey, we're on the same team. Now this kid right. can go anywhere. They can get multiple eyes on it. Maybe they're traveling. They can come here one day, there the next day. Right. And it, kind of works out and then you go to the meets and then yeah you're competing but you're also part of the, the both teams you know you're right. working with both coaches and as we said at the beginning you just want to help falters and kids you know and if you can do that cool and if you win cool and if you lose cool <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like as long as the kid got got it some help and is, you're helping them along their journey in life right and you're just trying to make sure people have a good time you know, exactly. like if, if yeah. people are having a good time, that's it. And, and to me, it's like pole vaulting can provide that mentally. It could be a good time because you're trying to solve that puzzle. Physically, it could be a good time. You're staying in shape. You're staying active, you know, and then you get to be around people. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't know, like, what would somebody else rather do on like a Saturday afternoon? Would you rather be at a track meet where there's music and you're jumping, you're having a good time, you're around people or like, you know, I don't know, I guess you could stay at home and watch Netflix, but and sometimes that's good. Like I get people like that, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you want to have that option. And I think we, we provide a good, a good option for people. And we just, it's like, we're, it's crazy. Cause our sport has been around forever, but it's like, we got to get the word out, you know? Yeah. It, it's, I get it, man. It's hard to sell our sport unless you try it. Cause you try it once and then you get it, you know, right. that's, that's really it. But yeah, yeah so I, I don't know how to say it's any better or any worse than anything else. I haven't tried everything, you know, maybe there's yeah. something better. I just haven't found it yet. Yeah. Well, so before we end, just t- uh, tell everybody who's listening, you know, how can they get the book? Wh- how does the book help everyone, you know, and, you know, just anything else that you, you want to leave off with? Yeah. So, uh, kind of like I said at the beginning, um, $5 from everything sold in Team Hoot is going to a pull-up program. So if you want to get the book, it's over at team-hoot.com. It's still open for pre-orders until November 30th. And then after that, I, I should be shipping them out by that point. And Awesome. Yeah, man, I'll just keep donating money and as, as long as I can. Yeah. <laughs> That's the plan. I want to help as many programs as we can. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, I, I just, hey, you do awesome stuff. 
you know. Oh, I appreciate and, it. So do you, man. Thank you, thank you, and thanks for being on the podcast. Um, you know, everyone who's out there who doesn't know who Sean Francis is, figure it out. Follow Team Who <laughs> on Instagram. You know, follow, follow Sean on Instagram as well. He has his YouTube channel. Um, and for anybody interested, you know, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're the Real Apex Vaulting, and we're also on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, and I even have you been on TikTok. Just got on there. My niece actually posted the first video. She was like lip syncing to something. Yeah, so there's some hysterical <laughs> stuff out there. That is, and it's it's kind of dangerous because the videos are like 10, 15 seconds. So you're like, I'll watch one more. That was funny. I'll watch one more. I'm like, oh my god. And, oh, uh, yeah, so I've, I've flipped way too many times. So yeah, there's an hour yeah. goes by. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, I but, think it might be the new YouTube. To be honest with you, it seems yeah, like it's yeah, that yeah. Way. And and you know what? There's more of an organic reach. So if you get on it now, like people will really find you. You know. Um, but yeah, so everybody out there, thanks for listening. If you have any comments or questions, please contact us at uh, apexvaulting at gmail.com.